I mean, by the looks of things, it's uh, the very things that matter to us. Uh, it means we can we the best way to avoid inflation is uh, maybe uh, there's no power, so you sit in the dark, don't eat, so you don't have to buy food, because <laughs> petrol is going up, so don't drive a car. Uh, what else mustn't we do? Uh, oh yes, and don't drink alcohol. So don't drink, wow. don't drive, don't eat, don't uh, and, and sit in the dark because all uh, all those things the prices have shot up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of those things that you've mentioned um, have skyrocketed over the past year. Um, I think maybe just to give a bit of context to your listeners, this year we did have a bit of geopolitical shock. Um, in the global economy, and that has made, ensured that you know some of the items that you've mentioned, the prices did skyrocket. Mm. So you spoke about fuel um, with sanctions on Russia, with the Russia-Ukraine war that happened. Yeah, we did see fuel prices skyrocket at the beginning of the year. We did see fuel uh, food prices also skyrocket, um, and this is just largely because Russia and Ukraine are um, what two of the biggest um, producers of wheat um, globally. So we did see some of that, and that has filtered into the local economy as well. And that is why some of those um, that you mentioned has just gone up this year. Um, sunflower oil as well. So a lot of a lot of the price movement that we've seen has just been a shock, mostly a shock mm. um, because of um, or as a result of the war that has happened. Um, but subsequently as well, you know, uh, what ha- also has happened is that we saw inflation start ticking up at the end of last year just because there was so much demand for goods. And now that has started to filter into services. Um, and what we saw is that services inflation, for example, um, to take an example of just the increases that have happened, services inflation has also started creeping up and it's, it's just moved beyond, you know, food. Um, and the items that we, you know, eat, um, that we can deal with, that we deal with from a day-to-day basis, but mm. also just services, yeah. When you say services, ex- explain that. So, for example, um, when we talk about services, we talk about um, items that, not necessarily that you can hold that is tangible, mm. um, but when you do see, for example, medical aid, right, um, what, what you do end up seeing is that those items that are important to us, but it's not a good that we hold in our hand. Mm. Those prices start ticking up. And what happens is that on a month-to-month basis, um, that feeds through into those type of goods. And that is what we've seen um, over the journey of this year. Yeah. But just being a little, especially regarding food, a, a little more specific in terms of, you know, how high the inflation or the difference between the two months you know, October and uh, November. October, 12.5%. And then November, uh, you know, the 199 This is higher than a year ago. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of this has just been filtering through um, of um, global prices mm. into the local market. So um, just for the benefit again for your listeners, a lot of um, either some of the things that we produce get imported or exported rather and those are exported at you know dollar prices um and those have also a knock-on effect of what you know farmers can charge locally but at the same time we are importers of some things that we can't um, produce ourselves so that has also started seeing you know um 
um, I put this, um, that momentum into the local market. Uh, as I mentioned earlier this year with Russia and Ukraine, right, um, those two are the biggest wheat. I'm just giving an example here, but those two are, are the biggest wheat producers um, in, in the global economy. And the, what we've seen is that the, those prices of those on a dollar basis has just skyrocketed over this year, especially the first quarter of this year. Yeah. And in, in the local economy, what we have is that in terms compared to the global economy, our food um, basket has about a nine, six to nine month lag. So that means if on the global front, um, prices have started coming down, we'll start seeing those filter into the local economy about six to nine months later. So that is just an, a risk from a local perspective on terms of just food inflation and that um, we, there might be still more, you know, quote-unquote pain to come over the um, coming months. In the man- coming months. But is it just moving on to the, uh, you know, fuel price cuts, which are, you know, predicted by the CEF for January, would that maybe bring some form of relief or things will just remain uh, stable until uh, you know uh, maybe another fewer (laughs) price hike uh, later (laughs) on at the beginning of the next year absolutely so um, what we've seen is that um, inflation um, headline inflation just dipped from 7.6 to 7.4 which would be absolutely um, a win us as consumers you know we want to see that downward trend um and luckily today we got further uh, announcement that you know for january we could see petrol prices uh 93 and 95 come down by about two rand per liter mm. and diesel about three rand per liter so i think from a consumer perspective this is a huge relief um personally speaking january you know <laughs> we always joke around but january is that type of month and I think consumers will be happy to know that, uh, you know, the, the fuel that they pour into their pit in their cars, um, the, pay, the the diesel as well, can go a little bit longer during that month. Mm. What about the strength of the rand and its uh, impact on that? Where, you know, it strengthened from 18 rand to about uh, 17 uh, rand 20 cents. How, what absolutely. impact has that had? Yeah, absolutely. Um so, because we can't, we don't produce in South Africa oil. We unfortunately at the mercy of the global markets, and we import oil on a dollar basis. Mm. We pay, we pay in dollars. And because the rand has strengthened, as you mentioned, by about ninety cents, that has had a huge impact, and that has helped us in terms of just the price we can pay uh, for oil um, for our consumers. And I think, uh, however, to this, there is the risk that should the Fed, the United States um, Federal Committee, continue to increase interest rates um, aggressively as they have throughout the year, that will put pressure on us locally. And I think that we should flag as a risk to the dollar perhaps regaining a bit of strength. Yeah. We would like to see this, the, the, the RAND continue um, down from here. Currently, it's at around 17 rand 17 cents. Uh, and as a local, we would do want to see that trickle down to around 1650. However, it is important to flag that um, the, the the risk of the dollar strengthening um, in 2023. And, and what pressure does that put on our central bank on interest rates, though? Absolutely, it puts uh, an enormous pressure um, on the on the on our central banks because, um, on the one hand, you have um, the Fed increasing interest rates, and that puts pressure on us. 
and they would also like to keep a bit of that uh, momentum going. However, on the other side of the coin, what you have is that you constrain growth um, tremendously, and that is a, a risk for local growth and local demand mm. um, going into 2023. So, Dumisano, what must we do now for the, you know, the upcoming, well, already in the festive season, really? You know, how much more can our budget be strained, you know? Yeah, um, that is a very tough question. Sensei, <laughs> 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 I, think, I think as a consumer, what you left with here is just being, um, you know, you start prioritizing what's important, Um I think consumers at this point start, you know, shifting out, you know, that that premium brand for a more affordable brand. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and what we, what you start seeing, whether it's a good or bad thing, um, depending on what perspective you are looking at, um, you could start potentially seeing, you know, an increase in credit demand um, yeah. and, and the likes thereof. So mm-hmm. there, are, there are risks, but as a consumer, I think. Consumers have been resilient to these type of pressures uh, before, and they can do it again. Believing the consumers, or do what I suggested as we started the conversation: don't drink, don't go anywhere, um, eat, eat, eat less. <laughs> yes, and that requires some food. That requires some financial discipline. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Also, you know, is the uh, concern about. Um, you know, the political and uh, economic climate in South Africa, which is affecting um, investment in residential property. So the issue of land expropriation being a risk and uh, a lot of South Africans being very hesitant to invest in residential uh, property. Who is, is, um, uh, which sector of our society is, is it, are these first-time buyers who are, you know, hesitant or maybe they, you know, they just want to buy property. Uh, they're not quite considering all these other factors. Or are those who want to invest in residential property for obviously uh, getting um, value out of it? Yeah. So I speak under correction. Mm. Um, so the land, so, so the APSO Homeowner Sentiment Index um, takes out you know, your big corporates, and it looks at retail investors. So you and I looking to get into the market. Yeah. Um, it takes a look at uh, first-time buyers, and then at the same time as well, you know, recurring. So people who would like to purchase more than one property. Mm. Um, I th- And they try to look at for people that are looking to buy a property, not for um, uh, living inside, but more for, you know, capital gains, uh, income, and that was an investment. But the the risk of land expropriation, how high is it to affect it's, to affect those kind of decisions for investment? Yeah, absolutely. So I wouldn't put a number on it. However, the issue of land expropriation has been around for about five years now. Yeah, um, it does put five years. Yeah, I was saying yes. It's been around for a while, and uh, without much sort of action but it's just this hanging cloud so to speak uh, yeah absolutely and i think from an investment perspective what's not good is political or, or rather policy uncertainty um and i think that is what um 
constraining much growth and boom into investing or rather the sentiment into the sentiment of investing and the, uh, the policy uncertainty is not good and i think what this sentiment survey for the third quarter of 2022 has highlighted is that going into the election um, which we expect the results um, this weekend um, we need clear communication from policymakers um, and they need to be able to communicate clearly to people who want to invest in property um, and they, they just need to take into account that we need stable policy mm. in South Africa. So are, are, are people just holding back and delaying, uh, you know, investing in property uh, or are they, you know, making different decisions on what, where to, to invest? Sure. Um, maybe to take a step back um, in answering your question, what we saw in 2020, actually, after the whole COVID situation, mm-hmm. people started to be able to live with COVID. And with the low interest rates, what we saw is a boom in investing in property and people who felt, or rather the sentiment reflected, people felt that you know property was affordable and prices could go up further from there. So it was quite attractive to invest at those uh, levels. What we see now is that um, those that the pessimistic sentiment, if I may call it that, has risen. But at the same time, one needs to question whether this is rather, uh, you know, homeowners or uh, prospective homeowners really feeling the effect of the the interest rates that we've had over this year. Um, just to bring it back, we've had over three percent of interest rate hikes mm, this year. Mm. So of course, um, homeowners are feeling those effects, and one has to question whether the the pessimism that which the Q3 report is honestly just truly due to policy instability, or is it just the effects on our pockets? I mean, being the highest since 2016, uh, you know, sometimes I think, you know, maybe it's a good thing I bought when I bought back back then. You know, uh, but uh, obviously, what would you then advise anyone who is looking into investing in uh, residential property? We're, we're not even talking about commercial property. Yes. Um, so unfortunately, um, I can't give exact uh, advice. However, one just needs to do their research. Um, it's important before one gets into any type of investing, you do your research, you ensure that any home, you do your due diligence. That is the best advice I can get. Um, we oh, also sure. need to ensure that there's financial certainty. Um, and by that, I just mean, given that interest rates have gone over 3%, um, you do one does not want to find themselves back into a corner um, where property investment does become a strain instead of an investment. Would Would you advise everyone to wait until the ANC conference is over? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Wow. But just just your thoughts though on uh, you know Eskom CEO Andre Dirator resigning. Yeah. Um, yeah, I won't ask the question. Just you. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a tough one. Um, I think what we have seen over the past is that of higher ups in within um, the ruling party have not backed him up publicly, and I think that has started to, to take a, a, a strain on him. Um, we have seen a record number of load trading this year, um, and on the other hand. 
you know, he has come out publicly more than once blaming ESCOM issues on other issues instead of um, what I would call solutions. Um, he has blamed it on, um, sorry, I was to, I'm looking for the right word here, um, but essentially Lack of um, support. sabotaging, sabotaging ESCOM. That's the word I was looking for, sorry. Uh, but and and I think that has taken a toll. Um, mm. We haven't seen Gordon come out and just back him up recently. Uh, and as a result, what you've seen is that the newly elected chair of ESCOM will now be the CEO. So headwinds coming up. We're hopefully looking for stability within at least the leadership of ESCOM, and we can start getting solutions. And as a country, I think we do need solutions in terms of just power in our country. Mm. Would would his resignation uh, in any way affect, uh, you know, uh, the markets? So what we saw though today was a bit of a initial knee-jerk reaction. Um, the markets did not like that. So the rand went from about 17 rand, let's say 17 and 17 cents, all the way to around 17 and 23 before coming back. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, however, um, slightly muted given the bigger political uh, and uh, political risks that lie ahead this weekend. This yeah, no, that the the weekend uh, issue is uh, also quite important in terms of the outcome of that. As usual, it's always a pleasure uh, talking to you on uh, Metro FM Talk. Dumisani Ngweza is the analyst at uh, Terabinth Capital. Thank you so, so much. Have a, yourself a good evening.